HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Today's show is brought to you by MolecularRecipes.com, the world's number one source for modernist recipes, techniques, ingredients, and tools. Hey, 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 I'm Jimmy Carboni from Beer Sessions Radio. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network, broadcasting live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. If you like this program, visit HeritageRadioNetwork.org for thousands more. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network. This is Dave Arnold. Hello, you're listening to... Hello, and welcome to a late... Hello? Hello, and welcome to Cooking Issues. This is Dave Arnold, your host of Cooking Issues. Hello, and welcome to Cooking Issues. This is Dave Arnold, your host of Cooking Issues, coming to you live on the Heritage Radio Network in the back of Roberta's Pizzeria in Bushwick, Brooklyn. Hello, and welcome to Cooking Issues. This is Dave Arnold, your host of Cooking Issues, coming to you live on Tuesday. Hello, and welcome to Cooking Issues. This is Dave Arnold, your host of Cooking Issues, coming to you live every Tuesday from 12 to 1245. Hello, and welcome to Cooking Issues 100th episode, live on the Heritage Radio Network. Hello and welcome to Cooking Issues. This is Dave Arnold, your host of Cooking Issues, coming to you live every Tuesday from 12 to 12.45 on the Heritage Radio Network. Alright! Tuesday, 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 live at Cooking Issues on the Heritage Radio Network at the back of Roberta's Pizzeria in Bushwick, Brooklyn! Calling live at 718-497-2128. That's 718-497-2128. It's Dave Arnold with Cooking Issues coming to you live every Tuesday on the back of Roberta's Pizzeria in Bushwick, Brooklyn. Here with Nastasha the Hammer Lopez and Jack and Joe in the engineering booth. How are you guys doing today? Hello and welcome to Cooking Issues. This is Dave Arnold, your host of Cooking Issues. Whoa! <laughs> nice. Hello, 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 and welcome to Cooking Issues. This is Dave Arnold, your host of Cooking Issues, coming to you live on the Heritage Radio Network from Roberta's Pizzeria in Bushwick, Brooklyn! Wow. Wow. <laughs> wow. Oh, man. That's strong sauce right there. That's good. Plus also, 200, 200, 200 shows! Yeah, I have to thank Declan Christenberry, the intern here who put that together. That yesterday. was pretty sweet. Yeah, I don't huh? even need to say it this week. This is the first week I didn't even need to say it. I actually said it into the mic before I knew what was happening. Yeah, for when listeners, you on. can't see it, but the song was playing, and Dave thought his mic would come on at the time it usually does. So I and he the, started yelling, and nothing I, happened. Yeah, I punched into it. I was like, the, "Hello!" Punching into it. Wow. Well, so uh, this is our 200th episode. Apparently, uh, champagne's going to arrive. Oh, I see it coming. Oh yeah. <laughs> Oh, yes. And as you know, the surest way, most of you know the many things, the many, many, many things that Nastasia uh, hates. What? Oh, just name it. You hate it. Yeah. Biscuits, puppies. But the one thing Nastasia hey. does love, hey! <laughs> we got Pow Pow here with, uh, yeah. I was like, have a seat. Sorry, I'm late. Oh, no problem. So the one thing that Nastasia actually does enjoy is champagne. I have to say. Is that true or false? Oh, no. She didn't bring the champagne. I forgot. All right, that's all right. We'll get some from the restaurant. Jack said he'd Jack, get us some. Jack's running Oh, yeah. Up. All right. Here we go. All right. So also, we have some... Uh, Just if you're talking to me, I'll be getting champagne. Oh, yeah. Well, well how long is it going to take you? He's gone. 
He's already, <laughs> he's already gone. And we have uh, some delicious, uh, we have some delicious meats from the Underground uh, Meats Collective. What do we have here? Do we have? A, did they give us a list we of what this is? We have a summer sausage. This one's a chorizo, and then the other one is the this guy. Yeah. No. Yeah. Now what? Uh, what? Uh, what cheese did they send us? Oh, and pickled beets, especially for you, especially with your for love you. of Jasmine, right? <laughs> yeah. Okay. So. Uh, Hello, Pow Pow. You got your mic here? You got your earphones Hi. on? How you doing? I'm good. How are you? Doing all right. What are you up to? I haven't seen you in a long time. It's been a while. Yeah? I live in Boston now. Yeah, it's a good town. It's a good town. So, Smart but it's like, it, it doesn't really exist anymore, right? It's just been blanketed under. It's like Atlantis, but with I snow. I was gone for most of February, so I missed all the snow. Yeah? That's yeah. good. I mean, it's, 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 it's bananas there, right? I mean, it's, it, uh, it's so, I was gone for most of February, and I heard about all the snow, but honestly, when I got back, it was like... Oh, it's fine now? It's not fine. Why is everyone freaking out? I mean, I got to like the fact that, I mean, well, the guys up in Madison and like anyone we have that listens in uh, Minneapolis or whatever. Yeah, weak and puny, but, you know, the mayor of Boston had to come out on the internet and say, you know, don't don't jump out of the windows. Do you see it? Like, because people are just jumping out of their windows. Do you see the guy doing a a freestyle swim in the snow? No. It's pretty awesome. He didn't get very far, though. (laughs) All right, listen. This is the 200th episode. Call in live. Two seven one eight four nine seven two one two eight. That's seven one eight four nine seven two one two. You are mutilating this summer no, sausage. I, this is this is not the wrong thing. Knife. Yeah, it's you're you're thing. absolutely. Wait, I have one. Oh, nice, nice. And we have the pleasant Ridge, uh, Ridge Reserve cheese. Nice. We're we're having a pleasant little pleasant little two hundredth here. Um, two hundred is a freaking lot, Stas. Wait, tell everybody what you did last night. What did I do last night? You watched The Bachelor for the first time. Uh, okay, here's the deal. So I was I got caught in a snowstorm. Actually, I couldn't make it back. I was supposed to cook dinner for the actually the the fellow that makes the Searsals, like our our factory oh, okay. contact in China, on Sunday. And he uh, Sunday Sunday Sunday. And he I couldn't make it because we spent like seven hours going what was normally a two hour tour. Anyways, so uh, we had to postpone it till Monday. So I was like, well, we could do it Monday, but I'm gonna have to like turn on The Bachelor. I was like, what? He's like, first of all. Listen, where you come from, do you watch TV during dinner? Would you ever turn on the TV no, during – unless never. it's Super Bowl. Super Bowl. Uh, or the news. I guess my dad uh, watches the news. I don't know. No. But like we have someone coming from all the way from China to come over to the house for dinner there, right? You don't turn on the TV. So then I had to record it for her and then I had to watch it. Do you know that this show is, is wretched? It's a horrible show. I know. It's terrible. Jack, do you like uh, The Bachelor? Thanks. Cheers. No, no. No, I don't like it. Yeah. No. Right. It's a horrible show. I'm sure that people like it. Stas likes it for one. I do. What is it that you like about Thank it? Thank you. Cheers. 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 Cheers, everybody. Uh, what is it that you like about that program? Oh, it's a train wreck. You, you, you saw. Yeah, but why do you... Because it's, it's interesting. Uh, plenty of train wrecks. Plenty of train wrecks. My own life. I don't need, I don't need somebody else's train wreck. Thanks, Jack. Ooh, beautiful. What are we drinking here? We are drinking... We're drinking a Prosecco. You know this one, Papa? Yeah, okay. sorry, we went Prosecco instead of champagne. Whatevs. It's got bubbles in it. Okay, so Aaron Morgan wrote in, uh, at Cooking Issues, can you discuss horchata issues on the show, insoluble settling, settling to the bottom of my otherwise delicious beverage? Well, you got a couple of problems here. You're, uh, you know, so what we're talking about here is not the like, chufa nut variant, probably, but like the rice variant, horchata, the beverage. Uh, well, I'm presuming that you have a decent blender. You can blend the hell out of it. You just need to strain that sucker better. Look, at the bar... Uh, you know, we had some people working on um, orchadas. Uh, of course, we cheat. We spin at the centrifuge. Actually, it's all the particles out. But, you know, you probably don't have one. Just saying. Probably not. So, like, uh, most people, I think you just need to strain it through something a little bit finer, like a cheesecloth, and it should get rid of some of that stuff. And if you're, if you're talking about – that's grit. If you're just trying to stop the settling out of starches, well, then you're a little more SOL. You're going to have to stabilize it uh, with, um, with a stabilizer because otherwise, I mean, that stuff will probably settle over time. Um, any uncooked starch will settle over time, so you just need to need to stabilize it. Anyway, uh, oh, it's David again, uh, Tasnari. Uh, I saw he saw an article. This is hilarious. Do you remember back when I said that Dax spilled wasabi oil all over the kitchen and then got it in his eyes and was running mm-hmm. around going, "My eyes, my eyes." Well, they have uh, <laughs> someone in Japan made a f- uh, a smoke detector that I guess I don't know whether it's for people who are deaf. Or whatever that sprays you with wasabi oil, so that you get up. Oh my god! And you're like, my eyes. I mean, like, what the hell? Like, why would you do that to someone as a way to? I mean, like, wouldn't it, like electroshock be better? Like, at least that's over. Yeah, I guess. Or, I, would you rather get zapped? 
No. You'd rather have wasabi oil sprayed in your eyes? No, if you're sleeping. It gets in your eyes, then you like you feel it. I feel it, like you would wake up in a bad mood. You'd wake well, you'd wake up, you'd blink, and you'd run around <laughs> screaming about like your eyes burning. I mean the stuff's that's it no love. It doesn't sound like a good start to your day. <laughs> I mean I mean like look, admittedly your house is on fire. So you need to get out. But like how many how many times a, a, a brief poll. How many times have you guys had uh, fire uh, alarms, fire like detectors go off in your house? How many times? Ton. Oh, a ton. Ton, yeah. right? Jack, how many times? Not that many. Like more than one? Yes, more than one. Okay. And how many of those times was your house on fire and you needed to evacuate? Zero. Okay. Zero. So that's how many times you would have been sprayed in the eyes with <laughs> wasabi oil for no apparent freaking reason. Not a good idea. Um, and uh, regarding the uh, croissant variants we were talking about, I think, last week, uh, Timothy uh, Helmuth writes in, would not a pork rind croissant be a... Chicharasson. What do you think? Chicharasson? Yeah, I like it. Chicharasson? Yeah? Mm-hmm. I told him that's impossible to say five times fast. It can't be done. All right, here's you one for... You did it. Uh, <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, come on. I mean, I as a professional. So, uh, so let's go back here. We have a question in. Hi, Dave, Jack, and Nastasia. Uh, what are your favorite farmer's markets in New York City? I'm moving to New York City soon and would love to live in a neighborhood that has a good market within biking distance. Cheers, Pierre. Well, I mean, look, Union Square... That's the one. That's the one. Number one. That's the one. <laughs> That's the one that you can guarantee that you can get what you need. And if you can't, you can call the folks ahead of time and make sure that they bring the stuff that you need. It's there more days a week than any other. You know, but the good news is is that Union Square is biking distance from pretty much anywhere between like like the forties even where you are, Stas, right? All the I way down to where I am. Like I have like when it's tomato season, I live in the Lower East Side, so it's about Oh, I don't know, 40-minute walk from where I live and about like a 10-minute bike ride or something like that. So I have my bag specially tricked out with a hard internal shell to store tomatoes. And then I have like special like like lofted blankets that I like interleave in the, in the bag and then have it like – And sus- then you ride erect, you said. A what? You ride erect. You know? mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. I ride like straight bolt erect like I'm from Holland. <laughs> You know what I mean? Because I don't want those tomatoes to get damaged. So, like, I ride like a nut job to get to the place to get the tomatoes because I don't bike for fun, people. I'm getting somewhere. And then, like, you know, but then on the way back, I I am merely a machine that carries tomatoes to my house. And, like, any other thing that I do is incidental to that. So I have to breathe and my legs have to move. Otherwise, the tomatoes won't get Dave, why don't you grow tomatoes? I think I might. I have some property in Connecticut. But I, there's this – most people's tomatoes – look, I mean I've eaten – the Union Square Green Market. I've gotten a, a scads of tomatoes there and there's really two tomatoes that I would be willing to um, go to extraordinary measures to get. And they're both by this one farmer who's got this great dirt in Old Tapan, New Jersey. And there's hardly any farmers there because the land's worth too much. And so, you know, they're like a holdout, but like no one else can really start a farm there. And so I, I like their Aunt Ruby's uh, German greens, and I like their, uh, their you know, German stripes. And that, I mean, they have other good tomatoes, and other people make good tomatoes, but like that's kind of like, that's the tomato. When I think I want a tomato right now, that's the <laughs> one that I'm going for. You know what I mean? All others are second and third. And, hey, and I'm not one of these guys because it's stupid to say this is the best tomato. This is my favorite tomato on the earth that I've ever had. So someone could give me a tomato one day that you know hit me in the head with a baseball bat and be like, Hope, uh, well, you're an idiot. You, you've been thinking for the past you know, however long you've been alive that you know what a tomato is. But in fact, it's this other thing. But it hasn't happened yet. But that said, Union Square is pretty easy shot via subway. moving to Brooklyn. Does it say, Bro- doesn't say Brooklyn? For some reason. All the subways are there. I think you have uh, A, C, E, and some numbers, and the L. Yeah, but then a lot of neighborhoods have, like, one or two a week. Like, Tompkins Square Park has, uh, like, a fairly okay one, like, uh, like a couple times a week. What about up the one up by you, Stas? I like it. Hell's Kitchen? 43rd and 10th. Yeah. Nice. But Union Square's the one. Jack, what about Brooklyn? Bring the Brooklyn home for um, us. There's, a, there's one in Greenpoint, the McCorrick Park. I have to find out the name. Is I'll it good? It yeah. It's great. I used to go great when I was hanging out in Greenpoint. How many days? How many days a week is that? Uh, I will get more information. McGorlick Park. That's it. McGorlick. Anyway, yeah. I hope this helps. But for those of you, like for anyone that knows, like Union Square is the Mac Daddy of the green markets, um, and it runs on Mondays, Wednesdays, Fridays, and Saturdays. And that's the other good reason it runs so many days a week. Now, not all of them are, are 
are big, but like it runs all those days. Okay. Uh, two. Dear Dave and the Cooking Issues crew. How do you like that stuff? Now you're just crew. Crew. <laughs> Uh, I was hoping you could go over how to season stainless steel and keep it clean. I always try to season my pans on the stove, but they inevitably end up with a yellow ring of sticky oil around the rim of the pan. Have you encountered this problem? Oh, hell yeah. Of course. Um, have you encountered this problem also? How do restaurants keep their cookware so clean? A lot of freaking elbow grease. Yeah. Like it's really hardcore dishwashers are scrubbing the hell out of stuff. Is how you, you know, if you're going to do it, it's how you do it. Um, I usually use steel wool on my pans to try and maintain them, but oftentimes it's as futile as some black and brown spots seem to be burnt on so well that this doesn't help. Is this damaging to the pan? Uh, I seem to be able to handle cast iron seasoning cleaning, but stainless steel poses a much larger problem. Thanks so much. I think you've answered this question a long time ago, but I was hoping you could repeat it as I can't seem to find it. I'm working my way through the backlog. Oh, my God. I can believe that. Can you imagine working your way through this backlog? Uh, backlog, and I've only made it to about episode 160. Man, that's fortitude. Uh, so I hope nobody has uh, asked you this question in the last 40 episodes or so. Love the show. Keep up the good work. Tyler Simons, UC Davis Food Science. All right, uh, Tyler, here's what I think. I just think you like it takes an unbelievable amount of like scraping with braces to get the, to get the stuff off. I mean um, like a lot of times back when I was at the school at the FCI, like once a week they would take all the pans out and then spray them with a very highly basic like oven cleaning solution and then like let it sit and then soak the stuff off like they were doing oven cleaning. Now, do I recommend that you spray like – I mean I don't know. Like maybe you have kids around the house. Like maybe – that stuff is noxious. Mr. Muscle. Yeah. Do you, but do you use that stuff anymore? Uh, we do a little bit. Yeah. But it's like you use it like at the end of the week to knock the stuff off. But like a lot of times our pots, like they go in for a heavy soak. And then don't use the, don't use the cruddy – well, it's not cruddy for what it's good for, but don't use the thin or the Brillo-style thin guys. And the reason is they work really well when they're very, very fresh, but then you have to constantly pull and retuff them to get them. Otherwise, they clog with the own grime that you're getting out, and then you might as well be using something puny. I would get the um, <clears throat> larger uh, – like the ones that look like they're made out of little razor blades, ch- like chore boy guys. And uh, they come in copper if you're worried about scraping things, but don't. I just get the stainless ones. Get the stainless ones. The other ones that kind of rust out, but those ones that feel kind of like a hairnet made of razor blades, like those guys, once you soak, you scrape the heck out of it, and you have to go over it a bunch of times. And as a last resort, I would use a basic kind of uh, thing that eats everything away, but that's uh, – you know, that's kind of all there is. Another alternative, if you are going to self-clean your oven, you can throw stainless steel, like a hardcore good stainless steel riveted pan into your oven on self-clean and just, you know, because it's an even heat, so you're not going to warp it out. Although I've never done that because, you know, I've never owned an oven with a self-clean. You ever own an oven with a self-clean? You? I don't have an oven. Don't have an oven? I don't have a, no. You don't have an oven? <laughs> I don't have a kitchen. No kitchen? No. Do you have like a hot plate? I have an induction burner that I don't use. I have a toaster oven that I use for frying. What? <laughs> whoa, 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 what? <laughs> you have a toaster oven you use for frying? Not at the appropriate use. This is a uh, – well, how does it even work? You just stick the oil in the toaster oven in like a cup, wait for it to get really hot, and then throw like two French fries in? I oil the – I usually do dumplings, frozen dumplings, and uh, I oil the, the tray, and yeah. I just – Oh, I close my eyes and put it in there, and then I open the window in case it, it ignites, and my plan is to throw it out the window. Has it ever ignited? <laughs> Not yet. It no, makes, it's making sounds, though. <laughs> I almost ignited. I almost caught my kitchen on fire today because uh, you know I, I built. The, I talked about it on the show. I built this coffee roaster, and normally yeah. my coffee roaster, like I can, I have to crank it. So I built a motor because you know. I feel that I deserve to be able to walk away from my coffee roaster when it's roasting. So I have a Whirly Pop popcorn maker and I put a motor on it. Turns out I don't deserve that because <laughs> someone wrote a question in and that we're going to get to later. And I got so engrossed like reading the article that they sent me that I totally forgot that I – and so like I'm like, that's weird. I can smell coffee and it smells really dark roasted and my hood's on. So something – and I walk in and like the whole kitchen was like filled with smoke and they were all like little <laughs> – Black kernels of nothingness. Oh my, oh, my God. It was awful. I had to literally – you know, once coffee gets to a certain temperature and it's roast, it just keeps on going like the pyrolysis. And so like it was just going and going. Even when I turned it off, I had to put the – douse the pan in water. Nightmare. Nightmare. The inside, total sludge. I haven't had coffee yet today. Whoa. So, yes, yeah, so I'm in like – Champagne like, first. Sh- <laughs> champagne wishes. Yes. Uh, well, we're celebrating. I'll have coffee with lunch. You know, I'm a, I like to invert things. I'm one of those guys – I'm not one of those guys We I can't have my dessert until after I eat my meal. Are you like that? Not at all. No? What are you, Stas? I have 
have to have dessert last. Uh, this is not the nah. styles I know. I've seen you eat like 18 pounds of candy yeah, as an appetizer. Candy, yeah. I'm eating an almond croissant and alternating sips of coffee in this Prosecco, so that's where I'm at right now. <laughs> Jack, you are living the freaking dream, <laughs> brother. Insane, yeah. Yeah. Hey, speaking of living the dream, I now have a pickup truck. How about that? Getting closer, getting closer and closer. More tomatoes in that truck. Yeah. All right, tomatoes. I got look. I got a Labrador. I got some forest land. I got uh, a pickup truck. I'm almost set. Very close. Shotgun. Need a shotgun and, and a uh, and a pontoon boat, and then I'm good. Anyway, uh, <clears throat> seriously, like, what else do you need? <laughs> Nothing. I got an apartment in the city, a place out there. I got everything. I have everything you could ever want. I think. I can think of things. Like what? We can't talk about on the air. I don't know. Oh, yeah. right. Yeah. All right. <laughs> No, no, I'm curious. I have to wait till the show's over to figure out what it is. Okay. Uh, Dave, I purchased a Sears All and use it at my home in L.A. Works really well. Great product. Thank you. Uh, question I have. I live and work in Tokyo and go home every few months. Uh, and I'm considering to purchase a second Sears All to keep at my apartment uh, in Tokyo. I can get one and a burns matic in the U.S. and bring it back with me, but would prefer not to carry a propane tank in my luggage. Uh, you should not do this. <laughs> you should... Let me just go ahead on record and say you should not put propane tanks into your luggage. Although I've said this on the air a bunch of times, like some of their rules are crazy, like that you can't bring uh, the uh, nitrous cartridges for whipped cream with you because every single seat is like has two or three of those uh, of the CO2 versions in in the life vests that are underneath you. You know what I mean? So the plane's filled with compressed you know gas cartridges. Propane's a different story, man. So yes, do not do that. Uh, so when I searched around in Japan. They have a butane slash propane mixed fuel canister um, sold by Coleman. You know, Coleman's not really a manufacturer. Coleman, like, they license out their tank stuff. So, like, here, I don't know whether I should get into this or not, but Coleman here in the U.S. tanks are actually made by Worthington, the parent company of Birds Matter. Whatever. You don't care. Anyway, it doesn't matter. Nobody cares. Um, So, anyway, uh, I see it uh, as well as other Japanese camping brands such as Snow Peak, which are of high quality, but no propane-only versions. These canisters are squat, so seem equally sturdy to the U.S. ones. I also found an adapter that will connect the Burns Mag to these Japanese canisters, so all good there. Please let me know your thoughts on the butane-slash-propane fuel and whether that should be fine with the Searzol or will it cause problems with it, uh, e.g. with the mesh screen. Um... On a related note, I also have your Liquid Intelligence book. Very much enjoy both the well-researched facts info as well as your writing. Thanks, Stas hates it. Stas will not read it. Uh, yeah. Uh, I had first come across your writing and Cooking Issues blog, so figured your cocktail book would be great. Thanks and best regards. Uh, Leo Ishibashi, Tokyo, Japan, and La Canada, California. La Canada. Do you ever heard of La Canada? No. Oh, La Canada. Oh, yeah. La Canada. <laughs> La Canada. La Canada. Oh, man. A bunch of people in California are like, crap on this dude. Bang. <laughs> Just yeah, logged off the show. La Canada. <laughs> Done. Uh, anyways. Um, okay. Uh, here's my thoughts. As many of you know who have ever like had a corporate thing or a company, I cannot under any circumstances recommend that you use an adapter to attach a torch to another canister. I will say this on a strictly technical level because I can't – the reason I can't assess the safety, I can't assess anything, there's nothing I, – I can't assess any of it. So I can't recommend and in fact I have to strongly urge anyone to not do it, right? That's just like my obligation as someone who makes things that have fire involved. I, I, have, I have to tell you that. However, on a strictly technical basis, propane butane mixes should not hurt the screens in uh, the Searzals. Um, if it actually is propane and not like the map gas stuff, which is like a different mixture, but the butane uh, and propane shouldn't cause uh, a problem um, to the screens. Uh, however, I can't assess the safety of the rig with the adapter and the extra height and, and or whether the neck – see, like the Sears – like the – like Worthington – uh, and burns matic specifically manufacture their torch like uh, tank combinations such that if something dire happens to them, their failure mode is such that you don't blow up. And so <clears throat> I can't necessarily guarantee that that is the same when it's connected to a different canister via an adapter. I mean, I just can't guarantee it. So, you know, I always, you know, err on the side of going hyper safe, but from a strictly from a will of screens blowout, probably not. Yeah, fair? Right. Okay. Do you, am I going to get in trouble for saying that? Or am I right? Nope. No, I, I never know. Sometimes people are like, why did you say that, Dave? Anyway. Uh, greetings from Madison. I'm sure you've heard about this by now, but just wanted to hear your reaction to this bit of news in, in the quotes, the news quotes. 
It's like your vegan face in news quotes. Oh, someone, <laughs> someone sent in a, a uh, have you seen this, like, Cooking for Vegans and Other Horrible People? It's Mm-mm. this lady who has this, like, uh, podcasting. No. But you, sh- you should watch it because, you know, it's kind of, but she, I she, won't cook for them, though. Well, I, I know, but she just cooks for them but makes fun of them mercilessly oh. the whole time. Anyways. Um, I'm sure you've heard about this bit of news. A study in Nature, I tried to get a hold of the article, guys, but, like, I couldn't because the person whose password I steal to get, like, access to real articles... I couldn't get in touch with her uh, <clears throat> for the article, but mom? yeah, well, I'm not going to call my mom out that I'm stealing her pet. Thank you, Stas, for calling my mom out on the air as allowing me to steal her password. She's like all nervous about it. She's like, "Don't tell anyone." They say, "Good job." We Good can delete that. Yeah, sure. Uh, a study in Nature apparently has shown uh, emulsifiers to be an issue in obesity and other health issues like uh, chronic colitis. Uh, here's the link. I haven't paid for it to read the full study. It looks like the researchers may have found some issues with carboxymethylcellulose, CMC, or like cellulose gum, and polysorbate 80. Uh, of course, Time Magazine and others have picked up on this and are implicating any and all emulsifying ingredients, including carrageenan, xanthan, and other gums, etc. Pretty much my question is, is there any way of stopping science writers from being so bad at their jobs? Uh, no. No, there's really not. And in fact, um, you know, I haven't had a I haven't had a chance to read the full article yet. However, I read um, some of the rebuttals online to this article. So here's what happened: <clears throat> they, as normal, uh, they the, the researchers uh, and there's you know, they seem to be very you know they're good research. It's in Nature, which is one of the best magazines like there is in terms of peer reviewed science journals. But they started with the hypothesis that. Um, Th- that a lot of problems with um, what they call metabolic syndrome in quotes, whatever the hell they mean by that, but like things leading to obesity and uh, like you know pro- problems with, you know, with with metabolism down there have to do with a disruption of the ability of the mu- mucus line. You like that stuff? Mucus lining, uh, you know, down there to prevent the the bacteria, the naturally occurring and you know generally beneficial bacteria in your gut from being in direct contact with your uh, with with your membranes, right? So what they did was is they said, well, they posited that um, emulsifiers maybe because they are surface active and can act, uh, you know, sometimes like detergents, but they have surface active properties. That somehow these are dorking with the uh, you know the the mucus uh, you know layer that's you know that's generally beneficial and healthy, and therefore uh, warping and or messing with uh, the microbiota in your system, right? That's the theory. So what did they do? They took some rats, a couple different kinds of rats, ones that were um, uh, predisposed to having problems and ones that were normal with the wild types, and they fed them. And I think this is what I, I heard: one person, either water as their water as their as their beverage of choice, or one percent solutions of carboxymethylcellulose in water, or one percent solutions of polysorbate eighty. And lo and behold, the ones that were fed large amounts of polysorbate 80 and carboxymethylcellulose, they had some problems, right? Uh, but I haven't got a chance to read the article, so I can't comment on it. But like all the things saying that emulsifiers might have caused the problems, they tested two specific – as far as I can tell, they tested two specific ingredients, uh, one of which, carboxymethylcellulose, is extraordinarily thick, depending on which one they use, very highly uh, viscous stuff at 1%. And so, like, part of the argument was that um, – part of the argument in one of the rebuttals was, look at – there was an increase in um, – there's an increase in mucus-destroying uh, enzymes in the guts of these rats. And, of course, there would be because you're drinking mucus. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, you're, like, carboxymethylcellulose at 1% unless they had a very thin version. I mean, I have to read. I don't know. In other words, I'm in the dark. What I'm not in the dark about saying is, is that it doesn't seem like this one study – is, uh, you know, says anything about emulsifiers in general. And it's one of these things where people are like, oh, well, carboxymethylcellulose, which is a modified cellulose product, and polysorbate 80, you know, which is another, you know, the synthesized thing. What about less than? What about eggs? No one's like, well, eggs will wipe you out and give you all this stuff, right? I mean, no one's against those things as emulsifiers. We eat emulsifiers all the time. All the time from natural sources uh, and from you know uh, added process sources. So there's a, I need to do a lot of research. There's a lot of hoo ha around it, but you know, uh, short answer, no, no way to stop people from writing bad stuff because it's very easy to say emulsifiers are bad. Put something out, and especially with when obesity is involved, like whenever you have obesity involved or like bowel problems involved. 
people like are been looking forever for you know why why am I having this problem or why are we having this problem? So if you could tack it on something, man, it's just going to blow up like wildfire. So no, you can't stop it. Wish you could. Uh, also, as Keith wrote that, also I've uh, made your hops tincture recipe only cold infusion since my whipper isn't rated for hot applications and made grapefruit gin hops cocktails. Done some hops kombucha and had hops candy. Hops candy. Hmm. I think it'd be good. Depends how much. Any other good culinary uses for hops you can think of? Hmm. I don't know. Hey, I actually have a caller on the line. You want to hold that? Yeah, sure. Caller. Caller, you are on the air. Welcome to the 200th episode of Cooking Issues. <laughs> Hey, congratulations. Thank you. Hey, this is Steven Benzinger. Uh, I, I'm a, I've called like two other times, but it's been a while. Um, but I had a quick question about, uh, about a, like I'm a home brewer. So it's funny. You were saying something about hop candy. So I have to say about that. Wait, but, what, uh, you cut out for a second. What, you're a home brewer, and I was talking about hops, and then I, and then I, I missed a sentence. Oh, I was just saying, I mean, I'm interested in, in hearing what you have to say about that. Um, I've had some options that are pretty delicious. But um, my question is, I'm actually going to eat... Uh, I'm also a med student, and I'm actually trying to do five gallons of cold-pressed coffee. Um, and I want to have it um, with beer gas, like you're going to CO2. But I want to try and make it so that it has, like, with um, like, essentially, but it doesn't have uh, in it so that it can go bad. Uh, and I wanted to know what you what you thought of that, right. how you would go about. You're cutting out a little bit, but let me see whether I can piece together what you're saying. You're going to make a five gallon batch of cold uh, cold brew coffee, right? Yes. Okay, and you want to put beer gas through it, but do you want it to be slightly carbonated, or do you want to go with straight nitrogen? I think I prefer it as straight nitrogen, but I'm interested to see both. To be completely honest. I mean, the good news about carbon dioxide is that carbon dioxide is going to provide a lot of the kind of bacteriostatic stuff. It won't wipe out yeast, obviously, but like it's going to have some anti-spoilage uh, effects on it. Uh, but it's going to taste carbonated then. There's no way around it, you know. Um, right. Whereas, I don't think, for instance, like what would be delicious would be nitrous. And I'm not saying that since you're a med student, you can get a hold of nitrous, but I'm telling you as a med student, you can get a hold of nitrous. Please don't uh, abuse the nitrous. By the way, the vast majority of people, you can't really OD on nitrous. The way you kill yourself with nitrous is you put a mask on and you pass out with the mask on your face and then you don't have o- enough oxygen to, and, you, and you asphyxiate yourself. That's how you die with it. So like, you know, like the, the you know, the classic bag huffer is not going to take themselves out this way. But uh, <clears throat> nitrous, uh, nitrous is uh, great uh, for pushing things and for making things really creamy and bringing kind of body back to uh, coffee beverages. I use it in coffee beverages all the time. And you can get small uh, med tanks of it. And you, I know this from experience. You can attach them to corny kegs uh, and you can pump out with nitrous. Now, I don't know because I've never studied it because I never tried to do it for long-term storage. I don't know if nitrous has any of the same kind of uh, bacteriostatic properties that um, CO2 does. Now, another thing which I think you alluded to is that you could just add crap to it to kill stuff, right? Um, so most of the things that you add that kill things, and you know they, uh, I'd have to go look because uh, Piper was doing all the research on that on like the little bit of uh, benzoate and the, um, but you can kind of taste that crap. You have to use yeah, a small no, amount. Yeah, no, I completely you know agree. Mean? Yeah, and and actually when I when I make beer, all you do is is make sure that you have a completely sanitary practice, so you're reducing the number of bacteria that actually go into the end product. So what I was thinking. I don't know with coffee and the acidity if it would actually be bacteria acidic, but I'm not I'm not 100 percent sure. Well, I know that. Look, I mean, clearly, if you've ever, if um, presumably you, as a med student, have experienced a cup of coffee that's been on a desk for two weeks, so you know oh, that sure. you know that things can grow on top of coffee, uh, but in general, there there are molds. Uh, so it's like the molds and the yeast are the things I think you're going to have to worry about. So you just have to make sure that whatever environment you have is not, um, is not conducive to those things growing. 
And so I don't like I don't know if like a if a you know a nitrous environment or a pure nitrogen environment. The other thing is like would it hurt it? Like if you if you kegged it right, you can kill that stuff at a fairly low temperature. But is that going to kill your flavor to heat it up to the temperature where you pasteurize out and kill your your yeast and molds and stuff? Because that's what's going to get you. You know what I mean? Right. And and I was wondering at refrigeration temperatures if I would even have an issue with that because yeah I've definitely seen stuff grow on coffee but with the acidity and with the low temperature and things like that I was curious if I would be able to get away with it. Oh, you and know, that's the other yeah. reason why I'm not adding milk because I know that I'm going to have bacterial issues with that. Well, if you're going to keep it in the fridge, I mean, I would love to have someone who has more experience with like long storage of of uh, cold brew, but um, I think you're probably going to be okay. I mean, how fast can you drink five gallons of coffee? Well, I have a lot of med students that come over and study with me, so probably pretty quick. Yeah, uh, I would say you're fine. What do you, what do you guys think? Okay. I, mean, I don't know. Look, again, Trial and error. What? Trial and error. Well, I mean, in other words, like, I, I, you know, I don't know what's going to grow. I think in general, something like that, I'm, I, I'm fairly confident in saying that it will become unpleasant before it will kill you. And so, uh, you know, <clears throat> I mean. I believe that. Yeah. And so – Again, I would love for someone to correct me and point out where I'm wrong because I don't want to steer someone in safety advice in the wrong direction. But I wouldn't worry about it. But I would try to get a hold of some nitrous to push that stuff through. I think you will be pleased. Okay. I'll, I'll give that a shot. And I think actually uh, nitrous will – well, it's considered anaerobic, correct? So uh, oh, yeah. any aerobic um, bacteria – is it? Uh, I don't know how available the oxygen is, and I don't think it's very available. I mean, because it, it, it only right. becomes available like in cars when you're combusting it. You know, I don't think it's generally oxidizing. Uh, you know, I've stored stuff with nitrous for a long time, and I don't get oxidation in in fatty things, for instance, in whipped cream canisters in my fridge for a long time. They don't they don't you know get those kind of oxidized uh, flavors. Remember though, when you're doing um, when you're doing the nitrous. What I would do is attach it to the the uh, wrong side. Attach it to the uh, liquid draw, just for the bubble through the bottom. Yeah, and then pull pull the uh, Sikorny kegs. For those of you that haven't had one before, have a pull ring uh, safety vent on the top. Uh, you have to make sure it reseeds, otherwise they can be kind of touchy, especially on old used ones. But just you know. Pss, pss, Vent it so, and then bubble through the bottom, so you're forcing and bubbling all of this, uh, you know, uh, stuff out of the coffee into the atmosphere. Then let it go. Then do your uh, hard shake to nitrous carbonate, and then it should push fine. And you can push it whatever pressure you want. Okay, excellent. And and um, uh, one more one more comment. Uh, the only with the nitrous, the only thing I'm concerned. You said that you were how available the oxygen was. I'm just curious if there are any bacteria out there that can actually metabolize nitrous. I don't think so. Nitrous? I don't think so. I've never heard of anything. I mean, look, CO2, not only is the oxygen not, like, you know, going to get it, – it also, like, it itself, its presence is, is you know, harmful to many beasties. You know what I mean? So – Right. Whereas I don't know about nitrous. I mean, I, it's, I, it's not going to support aerobic growth. I'm fairly confident in saying that. Uh, obvious, I mean, I'm 100% confident in saying that, but I don't know that it has any beneficial destructive properties to things the way CO2 does. Right, CO2 is bactericidal and, and nitrous might not be. Might okay, not be. excellent. Uh, would you like me to post any pictures uh, on, like, tweet them out to you or anything? Yeah, if, tweet, if tweet them on well. over. I love that stuff. I love seeing things. Sweet. All right. Thanks a lot. Thank Appreciate you. it. Thank you. All right. Oh, taking a commercial break? Coming right back with Cooking Issues. Hey, what's up, guys? It's me, Jack, as in Jack from Cooking Issues, as in the guy that's probably been talking on this show. So here on the break to tell you about MolecularRecipes.com, which is not only an awesome website and store and resource, but also they support us, which makes them even that much cooler. So I know Dave gives you plenty and plenty of information on the show, but should you need further resource, should you want to get some of the things he's talking about, MolecularRecipes.com has... Recipes, techniques, ingredients, tools, all in the world of this modernist thing we love so much on the show. So, you know, explore the world of foams and spheres and invisible foods and mind-blowing cocktails, all that awesome stuff. There's a community of over 400,000 chefs, scientists, and food lovers sharing their favorite recipes, tips, and tricks. Cool photos, tools, gadgets. Again, this is everything you'd be into all in one place, molecularrecipes.com. 
And just for being a listener of this show, you'll get 10% off any of their popular kits just by using the promo code HERITAGE at checkout. That's promo code HERITAGE. So again, check them out, MoleculaRecipes.com. Tons of really awesome stuff there. Definitely right up your alley. That's the Jackie Molecules Jackie music Molecules. right there. Jackie, do like Jackie Molecules says. Go to MoleculaRecipes.com. Jackie Molecules. Now you're going to start a band. You're going to be the front man. You're going to be Jackie Molecules. Definitely. In the molecular band. It's a great name. Yeah, Jackie Molecules. All right. So, uh... Finishing out uh, the uh, thing about hops, Keith had, was saying that he couldn't do the hot uh, hops tincture with the. Um, so what I do in my hops tincture is I do a hot one first to extract the bitterness, right, and then I do a cold one that gets more of the aroma. So I get kind of like the similar, you know, similar to do, you know, similar to like how you make beer if you're going to, you know, um, add hops afterwards. So um, good news for you is that. All of the ISI whippers, assuming you have uh, one of the professional ones and not the white ones, the ones that are stainless, um, they're all fine with heat. The ones that are, that are insulated, they say they're for hot foods. It's not that they're stronger. It's just they're insulated so that they keep temperature longer. And in fact, they're a detriment to you when you're trying to do hot um, work because the heat doesn't transfer from the simmering pan as quickly as it would with the um, – uh, you know, as it would in a regular one. So, assuming you have an actual EC branded unit and not an off-brand unit, you can go hot. So, just don't worry about. It. I mean, like, I saw when I was in Austria, I saw the tests on their on their units when they actually hook them up to like like large amounts of pressure and blow them out. And there's like a the bottom indents first, and then uh, then all sorts of untoward things happen to it before it ruptures. So, there's a lot of safety involved in it regardless of what you may have seen when I put a blowtorch on one when I was doing that nachos thing which I don't recommend remember that yeah remember how angry that guy was I wasn't there you didn't go to that shoot no. you and Rebecca you didn't go anyway so like you know what, I kept on saying that I might blow up the guy next to me and he was not happy he was not because the guy was just trying to write something about hip hop he was trying to write about hip hop or sneakers it? at complex first few uh, feet was at complex and so the guy is like literally like I guess because they, they, what are they? They have hip-hop, they have sneakers. What else do they do? Hey, Jackie Molecules, what do those guys do besides like hip-hop and sneakers and First We Feast, you know? <laughs> That's about it. No, I don't know. It's a, it's a website, and yeah, that you pretty much nailed it. Yeah, you know what? Like, I was trying to explain to Dax, like, old, old hip-hop from when I was a kid. And like versus like the stuff that started coming out like um, in the late late eighties and early nineties, I was like it was so much more innocent. It was just like you know my sneakers, my sneakers, my sneakers, my sneakers. And he was like, and so now he thinks that's like an actual rap song. I was like, no, it's just like you know my sneakers and my tracksuit. Like that's what was important back in the day, you know. I'm teaching a wine class at the end of this month, and it's called Maps on Raps on Maps, and it's taking the idea of the concept of terroir. And how can how is a wine supposed to express where it comes from? And using hip hop as the analogy because we know where all of these hip hop artists are from because they announce it over and over and over in their music. So I'm taking that format, taking it apart, and teaching it uh, as a way to introduce the idea of terroir. So where are you, you going to teach this? Uh, so a friend of mine and I are putting together a wine festival in Boston called BTG by the Glass, and it's. Uh, taking place in Kenmore Square in Island Creek Oyster Bar and then actually at the restaurant that I am at right now which is Rebelle in Brookline. Nice. So, yeah. So it's a nice. it's a weekend of uh, fun forward thinking seminars uh, followed off by a, a sherry salon and the next day we're doing like a smallier smackdown brunch at Rebelle. And it, for those of you that have not uh, hung out with sommeliers, don't start. <laughs> <laughs> like just don't We're start. An awful bunch. <laughs> well, it's not that they're awful. It's just like if you can't listen, you got to roll hard when you roll with uh, sommeliers. They're crazy. Like there's n- like bartenders think that they're a hard drinking crew. Sommeliers are like bananas. Am I right? Uh, probably. <laughs> yeah, they're just nutty. Hey, Dave. So I have April on the line that wants to say hello real quick, and then a question after that on another line. Cool. Howdy. Hey, Dave. How you doing? I'm calling from Charleston, West Virginia. I'm doing great, nice. and I hear you're celebrating your 200th anniversary or episode anniversary. It's awesome. Yeah, thanks. Just calling for congratulations, or do you have a question for us? That is primarily the thing. Um, well, I love that. Giving a little shout out to you. That's nice. I appreciate it. 
Thanks, April. Yeah. What, what's it? What's it? Go, sure, what's it? What's it like down there now? Have a great day. Do you have snow down there now? Or are you good? Oh, she gone already. What's it? What's it like down there now? Didn't it, it have a snow belt going all through there? I don't know. We have another caller. My grandma was waiting. What? Uh, caller, you're on the air. Hey, congratulations, Dave. Again, um, this question is more so about uh, creativity. And uh, when you're, you know, I have liquid intelligence. It's a, it's excellent, and I love it. And uh, when you're looking at, you know, solving problems, when you're looking at, you know, coming up with the ideas, how does that start? You know, like when you're saying, do you start with the alcohol? Do you start with the problem, or do you work backwards? Or you know, how do you approach creativity in general? Well, I think it's a good question. Any, any, and all of that stuff. So, um, you know, uh, like a lot of things come up because someone will say, "Hey, you're doing an event with X, Y, or Z product." I'm like, "Really? Okay." And then you have to figure out something that you like with it, or it can start yeah. with. Um, it can start with, uh, you know, I have a particular thing, like I don't think gin and tonics are as good as they could be, and then you start working on that. Or it could be um, a lot of times, you know, when, it, when you're working, you notice um, little differences that happen when you change a recipe, and then you exploit that and push that in a direction. And then sometimes it's like I'm walking down the aisle in a, in a store, and I'm like, I have no idea what this tastes like. I'm going to buy it, and then I'm going to figure out, like, what this can do that that I, f- I find interesting, or other things are like problems like um, I don't like a lot of uh, a lot of tea drinks because of the astringency in the back. So how can I mitigate that using knowledge that I already have? So it's kind of it's everything. The, the important thing is to kind of always approach approach things um, like in a problem solving manner. Very rarely. Are you able to wake up and say, I need to come up with some new crap today, and then you can come up with that new crap. It's more like, it's more like um, someone will present something to you, and once you go down the step of kind of analyzing what you have and where you need to go, that's when you kind of figure out new ways uh, to get there. Or if someone shows you something, if you have enough experience – so with, um, with um, rapid infusion with the, uh, with the EC, with the nitrous – that yeah, was that's, because that's a great technique. Oh, thanks. Well, somebody sh- you know somebody sent me a video where he was using carbon dioxide in a soda bottle to inject marinade under pressure into uh, into chicken strips. The guy's name was Mister Fizz, I believe, on YouTube. And mm-hmm. um, uh, you know, but looking at it, you know, in my mind, I saw the exact kind of an exact. Um, you know, analog to what happens in vacuum infusion. And so, uh, you know, for me, it was like, oh, because I was just, yeah. I was looking at that, trying to figure out exactly what's happening, and then you can cross. So it's, it's about, it's just about um, paying attention, keeping track, and like following things in an analytical way. It's very, very, very rare that you're just like, I'm going to come up with some new crap. What is it? In fact, I've tried to do that all the time. It doesn't work. I'm like, I need a new technique. What? I ask people, I'm yeah. like, give me some problems, I'll fix them. But, you know. Well, as a, as a chef, you know, I, uh, I go through and, you know, you look at things from the past. You look at, you know, you, you try to think of future things. And, uh, you know, I'm trying to think, you know, systematically put together uh, thoughts on creativity and thoughts on where ideas come from. And for me, it's kind of a – it's always a process of everything that, you know, you see, taste, hear. But I just didn't know if you had a, a method or technique or, you know, it's like uh, I've been to uh, Booker and Dax and enjoyed cocktails there and – some of the things are just mind-bendingly awesome. So just want to say thanks a lot and congratulations. Oh, thank you. And you know what? You know what's a good movie to watch? I mean, no one can accomplish it because, I mean, he's like the best at, at this kind of stuff. But in terms of organized uh, creativity, remember that Abuli movie that we watched? Mm-hmm. I can't imagine wanting to watch that movie if you were not a cook. Yeah. But if you were a cook, like watching the way that those guys – just kind of like very methodically tackle being the most creative cooks. Like it, I thought it was really interesting. I like left and I was like, man, I'm a schlub. You know what I mean? Like remember that? I left. I was like, Stas, man, we're schlubs. You know what I mean? And then, but but I think it's good to watch. Just um, you know, we can't. You know, obviously, you know, very few people can attain like because uh, the structure and the organization that he has around. Um, kind of codifying and, and and being able to capitalize on the creativity of the people around him. That's also super important. That's why I think why, one of the reasons that Wiley was so uh, successful is so successful. Rather, at what what he does is that you know he'll break a 
you know, he'll break a stick over your head if you don't record what you do because then you can't repeat it. It's wasted. You know what I mean? It's wasted work. So I think it's So I have one more caller and we are wrapping up. So let's Oh Jeebus. Yeah. All right. Caller, you're on the air. Hi, uh, thank you. Taking my call, Dave. Congratulations. Oh, thank you. Um, I had a, was curious about using map gas with the Searzol. I'm like, uh, what, what's the, uh, I haven't really, I was looking online, I didn't really see much about that. Well, a couple things with map gas. So map gas, or actually map pro, uh, has a couple of problems. One, uh, the tanks are the wrong size. So for safety reasons, I can't recommend that you use uh, right. map gas. And I actually got a combo with the TSA thousand that had a sixteen point nine map gas tank, which is why I'm asking. Whoa, uh, really? So it's yeah. it's a fat map gas. Yeah. And those guys at Worthy and holding out on us. How long ago did you buy a link? It's from the Home Depot. Yeah. How long ago did you buy the Searzol? Um, oh, I got it from a pre-order. Okay. Uh, Your screen will undoubtedly burn out. This that Searzol okay. is not designed to have. Uh, map gas and that extra like couple hundred degrees that can hit that yeah. screen will burn out that that rear screen. We are working uh, like look, we're not approved on uh, map gas. We're working on a rear screen that will withstand it, uh, that will withstand map gas. Um, and we theoretically, Stas, am I right? We might sell the the map gas rear screens. Yeah. Yeah, and you know, once we feel comfortable with the unit handling map gas, then we would have to also sell a foot to allow you because most people I think only have access to the, like the skinny map gas. We would have to right. sell a foot to make it so I feel that it's safe to use it. Hundred percent. All yeah. right. Well, I use it with the propane, and it's an amazing, uh, <laughs> an amazing device. Well, thanks so much. I appreciate it. Thanks a lot. All right, and I guess Jack's saying we're wrapping up. I'm going to have a say your goodbye. I'm going to have a bite of Johnny's summer sausage. Johnny Hunter's summer sausage. Do you like this? You having this summer sausage? sausage. And thanks for joining us. 200 episodes of Cooking Issues. Thanks, Pow Pow. You're welcome. Bye. Thanks for listening to this program on heritageradionetwork.org. You can find all of our archived programs on our website or as podcasts in the iTunes store by searching Heritage Radio Network. You can like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter at Heritage underscore radio. You can email us with questions anytime at info at heritageradionetwork.org. Heritage Radio Network is a 501c3 nonprofit. To donate and become a member, visit our website today. Thanks for listening.